0: From the Thinking Out Loud studios, it's the Thinking Out Loud podcast with Kevin and Kyle. The podcast that exists to help you navigate the culture of today from a biblical
1: perspective.
0: And to help you grow in your relationship with God.
1: God has commissioned and called you to be a light of this culture. The only way you can do that is to know the truth. And we're excited to have you guys back for another show this week. And I hope that you guys did enjoy the show last week. I know that we're always getting feedback from you guys, and I really appreciate that. I will say to you, if you have not listened to the show from last week, I think it's imperative that you do listen to the show because it kind of sets up how we're bringing these scriptures to life today we're kind of in a a small series right now on misused scriptures or most misinterpreted scriptures. And I I think it's important for you guys to understand how we get to this. How do Bible scholars get to what they say and how, you know, you know, and, and, and look, we did a brief overview. We are not saying by any stretch of the imagination that we're going crazy deep. And the reason why we don't is because most of you guys are not trying to be Bible scholars. You just want to understand the Word of God better. And so instead of, you know, going through a bunch of fancy terms and, and boring you to death, we just wanted to make sure that we, you understood a, a brief overview. And that's what I'm going to do. I'm, I'm going to give you guys bits and pieces here and there of stuff that you would learn in seminary so that you can understand how to read Scripture. But I am not going to spend an hour on that because I don't think it's, I, again, I, I want you guys to get a little bit of both. And so that's important to us. But a couple of housekeeping things before we get to get started on the show today, just want to remind you that you can rate and review us anytime you want to. If you're listening to us right now, you're on a, a five-star p- faster. Yeah. (laughs) If you guys are on, uh, especially an Apple device, um, if you're listening to us right now, all you need to do is scroll down while you're listening to us. Rate us. So just hit that that five star, four star, three star, two star, one star. I don't care what you want to give us. Rate us. But of course, we love five stars. Um, And then just write a review and that helps us greatly. Also, don't forget that we have our, on our homepage, on our website, thinkingoutloudmedia.com, thinkingoutloudmedia.com. We've got a a page there, our homepage. We've got a donate button there. If you want to donate to this show and if for this show to continue, we, we definitely have to have people who are donating to the show. It is not cheap doing these shows. And so, Just put that out there. Uh, But if you want to, and we do have some donors and we want to say we absolutely appreciate all of you that have signed up to donate monthly to the show. We're looking for 20 people at $25 a month. Um, that's less than a dollar a day. But you go to thinkingoutloudmedia.com, scroll down all the way, to, almost to the bottom, you'll see a PayPal donate button there. Click that button. You can you can give a one-time gift. You can also sign up for monthly, reoccurring payments there as well. And then, of course, just all the other platforms that we have, you know, we social media, we, we like to interact with you guys and, and all of that. And then we've got uh, our text line. So it's 248-301-2010, 248-301-2010. Once you say that in your phone, it's TOL or thinking out loud, uh, text us. If you have topic suggestions, if you've got feedback that you want to give us about any show, you can text that number 24 hours a day, seven days a week. No matter the time zone that you're in, this is not our personal cell phone numbers, but it is a texting service that we have so that we can interact with you guys. And so we've had some some pretty cool texts come through, yeah. and I just we encourage you guys to do that and and, yeah. and be a part of that 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 dialogue. So yeah, absolutely, yeah, and, and part of that dialogue
0: is helping us create the shows that we're doing now. And so we're in. Really, week two of of talking about misused or, like Kevin said, misinterpreted Bible verses. And listen, Scripture should motivate us. It should. Yeah. And it, it should inspire us. But listen, in order for that to be truly effective, we have to understand the context of the Scripture that is inspiring us to live a certain way. And so, we have taken a look at some commonly misused or misquoted Scriptures. And listen, by no means are we saying that these people, and you heard Kevin say it last week, if it... We've done it. You yeah. and I have done it. Kevin, Absolutely, where we've, we've, mis, we've misused, we've misquoted Scripture. Listen, we're we're fallible. We're human beings. Now, mm-hmm. the Word of God is not, but we use it in a way at times that it's it's just wrong. And listen, I fully believe those that are using the Scripture, even if they're using it wrong, they mean it in good intention. They mean it in real faith. But it can get a little bit more motivational than inspirational if we don't, if we're not careful about how we're using it in supportive ways, or even using it for topical situations. And so really, what we want to do in the second show is just help educate you as a listener, as well as us. But I think what we'll do is we educate each other on these verses, because some of these verses, we're going to talk about Jeremiah 29, 11, we're going to go into 1 Corinthians, we're going to go into Matthew. There's some verses that I've personally used in my life, that I've personally heard in my life, and I've been okay with. So but I think educating us on these on these scriptures, it's going to mitigate any frustration we have with God. Because mm-hmm. I also think that a lot of times we believe things about His Word that should correlate directly to our lives that, in essence, they were, we said it in the last show, they were punchlines to a certain people group at the end of a teaching of discipline or of some sort for that time. And then we've taken that punchline or we've taken that motivational line and we've applied it to our lives. And though some of it might be a character of God, or maybe even, maybe even not necessarily patterns of God, we can't expect him to be obligated to work that same way in our lives as well, because he's sovereign, he rules over it all, he knows what he's doing. And so we're going to jump right into it today, and we're going to go to 1 Corinthians 10, 1 Corinthians 10, 13, and it says this, and, and I know as soon as I read this, you guys, you guys are going to know exactly what I'm talking about, because I've done this before. It says this, no temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind, and God is faithful. Now, here's where, here's where we misinterpret this entire verse. Ready? Here it goes. He says, he will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. And many times, Kevin, we take this and what do we say? What common phrase that we say? God will, God will not give me more than I can handle. That's right. right. Yep. And so that in itself is a misrepresentation. It's a misquote, and it's a disservice to Scripture. Yeah, because that's not at all what the Scripture is saying. And as many times we even realize, we don't even realize we've put our own spin on Scripture until it's pointed out to us. And I can't tell you how many times growing up, I've gone through something, or I was going through something, and I'm like, Listen, God's not going to give me more than I can handle. You know, when it comes to trials, when it comes to circumstances, but this verse. It's talking about temptation. It's talking about sin. It's talking about the thrill right. of getting into sin. It's not talking about trials. It's not that's talking right. about if you're diagnosed with cancer. It's, and that's I know it's brutally honest, but it's real. It's not talking about if you lose a loved one. It's not talking about if you lose your job. It's not talking about that. That's it's right. talking about temptation. And many people use this verse to claim that, listen, God's not going to allow me to face anything that's too difficult of a task. Mm-hmm, or mm-hmm. they take comfort knowing God will not allow them to be tempted or tested beyond what they're able to handle. Now, tempted, sure. Tested, no. The Bible's very clear that God will test our faith. Mm-hmm. You've heard me say, if you go to our church, you've heard me say, uh, a faith that is not tested is a faith that cannot be trusted. That's right. Tests in our lives, whether it's in school or in jobs, they're really a gauge to see how much we've applied in what we've learned. And the problem with our faith is that we can believe a lot about Scripture, but if we don't apply it, then the Scripture just becomes a belief. It doesn't become a faith. That's and right. so, he has to test our faith, and God will test us, but God will not tempt us. And that's exactly what that verse is talking about. And just to kind of cross-reference some of this, Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 1.8, he says this, we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experienced in the province of Asia. Now, here's where this is here's where this would rebuttal the, hey, God's not gonna give me more than I can handle, right? Here's what Paul says: the guy who wrote the Corinthians books, okay? So right. he says, We were under great pressure, ready, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired of life itself. So he's saying. Hey, I was put in a situation where I couldn't handle it. It was far beyond anything that I could handle. What was put upon me exceeded what I could even do to the point where I thought about death. Yep. Listen, it's important for us to know when it comes to 1 Corinthians 10, 13 that, listen, again, he's talking about temptation and not being able to be tempted beyond what you can bear. Also, being able to find a way out of every sinful situation. In 1 Corinthians 10, he's warning the church. Paul's warning the church and he's using Israel's past history to prove his point. But listen, we are going to face all manners of temptation, but as long as we anchor ourselves to God, he will give us the spiritual strength to handle whatever we may face. Listen, God's not if sin separates us from God, and the wages of sin is death, mm-hmm. and he sent his son to defeat hell in the grave so that we don't suffer that consequence once we believe in him, then we have to believe that God's not going to allow any temptation to come our way that we're unable to resist. Otherwise, right. he had never sent his son. Right. There's going to be temptation that comes our way. And, and here's the deal. Temptation is not sin.
1: That's temptation
0: right. is your invitation to disobey God. Yeah. That's what that is. Yeah. You like how I put that sermon quote in there? Yeah. <laughs> temptation. I said this to our teenagers. Temptation well, isn't sin. It's just an invitation to disobey God.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And yeah.
0: so we have, while temptation is there, we're going to have the ability to fight and wrestle within ourselves to say, no, I'm not going to do that. Or yes, I am going to do that. However, we have the ability to say no. Yeah. Now, the entire passage is about temptation and the fact that people fall into temptation. So when they're being disobedient and we're being rebellious, that's our opportunity to fall into that. We had every opportunity to say no to that and physically, mentally, spiritually turn away from whatever it was and walk away trials and testings are going to come our way that are unasked for, that are uncontrollable, that we have no control over. And because of God's sovereignty, they're either going to go the way that we want it to go, or they're not going to go the way that we want it to go. But it has no bearings on whether or not we're able to handle that. Listen, my, my grandmother passed away from cancer. My mom had cancer and survived. Neither one of those situations could either human being bear. It was beyond what they could bear, right? Right. Right. You know what I'm saying, and so we have to come to the understanding that there's going to be times where we're going to have to trust God's will in this situation because we we are just it's beyond our ability to actually have control over that situation.
1: Yeah, I, I think when as you are hearing us talk about these scriptures, you see a trend here. The trend is we're trying to be super encouraging. We're trying, yeah. you know, we we want you know, and, and our I think a lot of our intentions are right. The issue is. We do more harm than we do good because we're not understanding what this scripture actually says. And if you look at 1 Corinthians 10 13, and you look at the original Greek, so I'm going to read the scripture again. It says, no temptation has overtaken you except what is common to man, to mankind, right? Which simply means that there's nothing that you're going to struggle with. And this is going to be, I'm just going to side note this, okay? Because I think this is important. If you're listening out there, and this could be for you, if you are struggling with something And you're like, you know what, man, I'm the only person struggling with this. And you don't tell anybody because you feel like, man, if I say something to somebody, they're going to be like, dude, you are the crazy. Like, I have never heard of that before. What the Bible essentially is saying here is there is no temptation that is going to overtake you except what is common to mankind. So, so you don't, this is nothing new. That That's your, a good point.
0: That's a good point, dude.
1: Your particular sin is not greater or worse or some unique thing that mankind has never seen. Just because you don't right. know that you you don't just you don't know that somebody else has your same issue doesn't mean that somebody else doesn't have your same issue. There's seven and a half billion with a B people on this planet, and the scripture is saying to you, listen. You are not alone in this. Right? There are other people who are dealing. I don't care if no one in your church deals with it. I don't care if no one in your friend circle deals with it. I don't care what it is. Right. There is somebody that has either dealing with it now or has dealt with it in the past because the Bible tells us so, right? So that's a yep. side note here that I, yeah. I think, that I think is very important. But he said, but God is faithful. Ah, love that. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. The, and then it says, but when you are tempted, because you're going to be, mm-hmm. he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. Now, the word they're tempted where it says, but when you are tempted, the word tempt mm-hmm. there in the Greek literally means to try, to tempt, to test. You know, so, or entice, right? Mm. So to try to test. So you see it right there in the scripture in the Greek that it's a test that we're talking about. We're not talking about a situation that happens in your life. So you say, well, but you, oh, you know, I know something's going to come through for my finances because God said he'd never allow anything more than I can bear. You know what? There are some people that may lose their homes. There are some people who will get their cars repoed, right? There are some people who go through tragedy, right? And if you look at Scripture, and I I really I want you to understand again, we talk about Scripture in light of Scripture. We said this in 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 our past episode. You've got to take the whole Bible and let the whole Bible complement other scriptures. And so, if you if you look in John sixteen thirty three. Jesus said, I've told you these, I've, I've told you these things so that's, so that in me, you might have peace in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. So he's saying, look, you're going to have trouble. And if you, and if we as Christians don't think we're going to have trouble, like look at Jesus, (laughs) like look at his life, his life. He only lived 33 years on this earth. Mm -hmm. And his almost his entire life was just plagued with troubles, whether people were lying on him, where he was being beat, he was being spat on, whether people abandoned him, his own friend, like anything you can think of, Jesus went through it, right? Mm -hmm. And so Jesus, he lost his his friend, right? Lazarus. Think, Think about that. He was a very good friend of his, Lazarus. He died. I mean, so I mean, you, I can go from thing to thing to thing that Jesus went through. And so when we say things like, well, Jesus won't, won't give us more than we can bear, it's just simply not a, the right context of this scripture. And we do have to look at the scripture as a whole. So Kyle, I 100% agree with you. And again, this is one of those things when we say that to people when they're at their lowest points. When they're already vulnerable and they're just looking for encouragement, they're just looking for some help, sometimes what we really need to do is just say, you know what, you know what, Kyle, I'm, I'm, I'm going to pray for you. I, I hate to see that you're going through this. You know, yeah. I know the scripture says that we're going to go through trouble, but man, you're my friend. And I hate to see that you're going through that. But you know what? I believe in a God who is greater than what you're going through, and I believe that no matter the outcome, he still loves you, he's still for you, He still, it, it, you know, all of those things are things that we can say, as opposed to telling somebody, well, the scripture says he never put more, more on you than you can bear, and you're sitting there going, I can bear, I can't bear this, right? right. Where is God?
0: <laughs> right, it, it makes you feel inadequate, which you are, we are, yeah. right? Yeah. but it makes you feel even worse. Like, again, you're taking God out of the equation, and and you're saying you can ha- like, you have the power, and you. Ha- no, we don't. Again, right. Jesus never would have had to come if we had the power. So, we have to be careful. Now, I know, just in like that simple conversation that Kevin brought up, you're not thinking that. Like, well, I'm admitting we have the power, but that's ultimately what you're doing. Yeah, and I know what it is too. You're really just trying to help. I've done it. I've just tried to help people out. I'm just trying to encourage them again. Like I said in the beginning of the show, guys, we're not coming down on anybody. We're not trying to be condescending because we've fallen. We've been prey, basically. We've, we've said this in the wrong line of work, in the wrong statement, in the wrong time, wrong context. So we're coming from a place of where we've had error with these two. And so another verse that I want to point out in this one. This one's gonna shock some people because I think <laughs> yes, it it's the easiest verse to go to on a Sunday morning. Yep. It's an easiest, it's an easy verse when when pastors ranting and he's kind of going off his notes a little bit and through rabbit trails. Jeremiah twenty nine eleven will always be the verse that brings you back to whatever you're talking about in your service. And so, uh, to say that I haven't misquoted this or misrepresented this a lot would be a lie. I, I've done it a lot. Now, now, here's why. And Kevin and I were talking about it off air. We're like, well, how do we explain this without misrepresenting it and even the explanation? Because here's the truth. The, 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 word, the, the verse says this, and this is, this is God talking to his people. He says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future.
1: I, I want to interject something yeah. here, Kyle because I think this is very important. We said a couple shows back, mm-hmm. and I, I want to keep reminding you of things I'm trying to help you guys. I'm trying to teach you in bits and pieces how to understand the Word of God. Now, mm-hmm. one of the things that I've said is the Bible is not written to you. The Bible is mm-hmm. written for you, okay? The Bible was written to the people that it was written to of that day, yeah, right so yeah. If, if if the Bible said, you know talking to the Israelites, that's who he's talking to. If Paul wrote a letter to the to, to the church at Corinth or Ephesus or Philippi or any of these places, that's who he's actually talking to, right but the Bible is not written to you, but if the Bible is written for you, okay. Right. And so this is very important when it comes to this scripture, and I wanted to pause to remind you of that, because I think that's important when we're talking about this scripture.
0: No, I think it's good. It's good, because this is going to be probably one of the harder ones, I think, that I've had to listen, that I've had to learn, Yeah, and that I think our listeners are going to have to learn. So we, yeah, I think that's a great interjection. But we see here that God's declaring a future of prosperity, uh, of a plan. God has, we're all... This is what I want to, I want to start out with this and then I want to explain the verse. Guys, we are all created on purpose with a purpose. Don't don't get that twisted. There is a purpose in every single one of our lives. Yes. But this verse has been loosely used as a verse for all mankind and for me in general. And I want to explain a little bit of the history because this is one of the most well-known and quoted verses in the Bible. It's promise is held dearly by Christians all over the world, has been held dearly by me, but despite its popularity, the meaning of this verse, it's misapplied, and mm-hmm. it's one of the most misapplied verses in the entire Bible. Mm-hmm. Most commonly, the meaning of Jeremiah 29, 11, it's, you're going to find it in, in most church settings applied as a personal promise. So basically saying, God has a wonderful plan for me. Yeah, And many take this verse and apply it specifically to me and that God has my life perfectly mapped out and I only have to walk in obedience to God. He's going to just handle the rest for me Yeah, because that's what this verse, hey, don't worry about it. Listen, God has a plan for you. Just keep doing what you're doing, even though what you're doing may not be the thing you should be doing, right? So you may be called out of the job that you're in, right? But God's going to work all this out. And and you may be missing God's sign of saying, no, you need to leave that job, right? And so we've misapplied this verse in in a couple of ways. And and then others take this verse a step further, claiming this verse is a promise of health and wealth. And we're not going to dig too much into that comment today as a little uh, advertisement for what's coming up ahead. But basically saying, since we're children of the King, we should only expect the best, which is just completely false. If we only expect the best here, we have nothing to look for in eternity. Again, I will stop there. Yeah. All right. So, listen, the main problem, though, with these interpretations of Jeremiah 29 11 is that they are very me centered. Mm-hmm. If you know anything about Jesus and his ministry, he combated the me kingdom. The self centeredness of religious leaders were the, thing, were the things that he combated. He didn't come for their kingdom, he came to build his father's kingdom and really demolished what they were trying to build in religion. And so, again, it's all about what God can and is going to do for me. And that's not the meaning of this Bible verse. I said something to Kevin on off air and decided to put in our notes. But I think when we say, well, listen, God has a plan for my life. Well, yeah. I mean, God has a purpose for everybody. We're not discounting that. I mean, the purpose is to glorify him. So, but here's the deal. When we use, when we use Jeremiah 29, 11 as that teaching point, what we do is we have the right concept, but we're, we're in the wrong context. We have the right concept about what God has for us, yeah. as far as a plan. Yep. But the context of that plan, it's offbeat and it's it's misquoted and it's misapplied. We we know God has a plan and a purpose for all of us, but we can't use this verse loosely. So I'll let Kevin. Kevin's looking at me like, "Come up for air, bro." now no, uh,
1: You're good. Listen, man. Go,
0: we're gonna get into the context because I know some of you guys are like, "This doesn't make sense." You're telling me He has a plan for me, but you're telling me not to use. The Bible, the verse that says he has a plan for me. So what do
1: you mean? I'm going to let Kevin talk and then we'll get into the context of this series. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. here's What I wanted to say was, because the scripture actually says, for I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for good, some of them say for welfare, not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. So plans for good, not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. So what it sounds like is that I know the plans that I have, says the Lord, so God has plans for our lives, for good, not for evil. Here's the sticker on on that as well, is we're saying, you know, and when we say this, because we prophesy, and I say that in in very careful terms, because that's, again, why we have to be careful what we're saying when we're saying things over people. When we are at altar time, and we're praying over people, and we're saying, we're just, because our hearts want to encourage people. We want people to understand that God loves them, and He's for them, and He's whatever. There are scriptures that we can use to help people understand that. But some of these scriptures that we've been using are not the scriptures that we should be used. We're misapplying them. So when you tell somebody who is sobbing at the altar, well, God has a plan for you, that's true, and then you say things like, Well, you know, it's a plan for good, not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Here's the problem.
0: For it to prosper and for what and I'm like, oof, now that now you're getting specific into your plan.
1: It, well, yes, and then what's the definition of good? Your definition of what you think is good and what God thinks is good a lot of times are totally two different things because you're thinking about a feeling or the things of this world that you deem as good. But God is saying, I'm going to give God, what God would say in a, to a, in a Christian's life is what's good for you, not what's good to you. And what's good for you is not always good to you. I mean, think about when mom made you eat, eat lima beans or peas or broccoli or spinach or something you didn't like. And what would she say to you? She would say, Hey, son, daughter, I know it's not good. It don't taste good, but it's good for you. Right. Yeah. And so, we, but, but when you make this blanket statement over somebody at an, at an, altar and go, well, he's got plans for you, plans for good, not for evil. And then they, they leave there and get into a car wreck and they go. I thought they just told me that God's plans for me were good and not right. evil. <laughs> right.
0: Well, and you have to understand where, you have to ask your question, where do you get your reality from? Right. You know, like, is it based off of, is good based off of what it looks like and what it feels like? Or is your good based off of, hey, listen, I know what the scriptures tell me and, and God is good even when, even if yes. things don't work out for my, my plan. And so, or for what I think my plan should go, he still has a plan. Just may not be according to your plan. Yes. But we have to understand that in this verse, what God is saying, because I think it's important for us to understand why God says, Hey, listen, I have plans to prosper you. I have plans not to harm you. I have plans to give you hope. I have plans to give you a future. He's talking to the Israelites. And he it's there's a reason he's saying that. It's during the time that the Israelites are living in captivity for Babylon in Babylon. They're slaves. And it's an important thing to take note of that this passage is addressed to slaves living in enemy territory, okay? And in this time of captivity, there were false prophets going around claiming that God was gonna release his people soon. And then in Jeremiah 29, God is denouncing these false prophets and telling his people that, no, I'm not gonna deliver you soon. In fact, you're gonna actually have 70 more years in captivity. So what God's doing in Jeremiah 29, 11, It's not blanket statementing for all of mankind. He's saying, hey, listen, not only are you not going to be freed right now, but I'm actually going to allow you to be captive. Yes, allow you to be captive for 70 more years. Not a plan that the Israelites would have said was a plan from God, Right. but he's reminding them, hey, listen, even though you're in this, I still have a plan for you. And your future is one of prosperity. Your future is one of healing and not harm. It's one of peace. But you got to get through this in the moment. There's, there's a, you know what I'm saying? And so to Israel. we have to understand. Yeah, to Israel. Like he's talking to his children of Israel yes. who are captive, now going to be on, going on close to 100 years. After that, Yes, I am going to have a plan for you. And here is your plan, Israel. This is yes. the plan I've set out for you, Israel. Again, God is not obligated to make that plan identical to his plan he has for your life. He's not obligated to do that.
1: Okay? That's right.
0: And so, and and just because he's not obligated to do that doesn't make him any less faithful in your life than he was theirs. Yes. Because I'm gonna tell you this right now. We like the I have plans to prosper you and not to harm you, but you wanna know what we don't like? The hundred years of captivity before that. Right. So yeah. <laughs> listen, right. you can't adopt yeah. Jeremiah twenty nine eleven and yeah. not adopt being captive for a hundred years, okay? So <laughs> Yeah,
1: yeah. I lost it my
0: soapbox, sorry. Yeah. No, no. <laughs>
1: It is th- this scripture, and I know there's some of you out there. It's like, oh, Kevin, but this is my life verse. This is my—I've I- got it all over my house. But and it, Kevin, it, my it, pastor said it this last Sunday. Yeah, they just—they pr- just prayed over me and said, "Here, here's the he's thing." He's not
0: heretical. He's not preaching heresy. He's not. Listen,
1: it's good intentions. It's yeah. and it's the right concept. Yeah, it's just the wrong context, right? The right. Yes, I, I think that is what you have every time you see that it's the right concept wrong context just in that line alone it sums up everything that we're trying to say truly i yeah really we could end it there but because i feel like that that's what people have like have to understand and and so again i know this is going to rattle some of you guys and i i encourage you look the scripture up for yourself but don't, remember when we talked about, that's why I said it's so important for you to listen to the last episode, because think about it. If you eisegete this, which means that you pour the meaning into the scripture yourself, right? You impose your own meaning under the scripture, you're now going to quote the scripture wrong. But if you exegete or you take the passage and you extract from the passage, it's meaning, and the only way you can do that is look at it in context, you will realize this was not written to you. right this was written to the Israelites. Also you'll realize that it depends on you know, God's good and your good are not the same. <laughs> it's just not it's good for you, not good right. to you. And right. we again, all of the things that we just said, so I think we have to be very careful as we walk. Through these scriptures. So, yeah, you might have the plaque, you might have the card, somebody might say it to you. Listen, it doesn't mean that you stop somebody in the middle of their prayer and say, Wait a minute, (laughs) you're not, that's not biblical. Kyle and Kevin told me that, you know. Let them pray whatever they're going to pray. Yeah, they got the right concept. They've got the right concept, they've got the right intentions. Yes, does God have a plan for your life? Sure. Absolutely. Jeremiah, the same book. He said, "Hey, before you were in uh, formed in a womb, I knew you, <laughs> yeah, right." Yep. And he was talking to Jeremiah. He was he was he was talking to Jeremiah. He was not talking. You know, again, you have to take that in context as well. But by the same token, same concept. I mean, it's, it's the it, the concept is is right. I'm just I just because I don't want people losing us. Like
0: all oh, these guys are. The concept is God's character. Yes, like that. If I can. Point it out point blank, because listen, I'm a pastor. I don't want anybody roasting me because what Kyle said. God doesn't have a plan for me. God has a plan for every single person on this planet. That's right. But Kevin's right. It just, every plan looks a little different. And yeah. And it's going to be different than your good. The concept is that God's character is he has a plan. Yes. He's always got a plan. The The context is, what does that plan look like for you specifically?
1: Right. And I'm sure there's people in the audience right now say, well, 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 then my plaque is fine. Well- I I, I slightly disagree with that, because when you extract a scripture, and that's the only scripture you put on a plaque, and then you post it all around, it gives off the wrong context. (laughs) It just does. Well, you're
0: you're, you're inputting your plan to that verse, right? Right. Now you're doing the Isa, Isa Jesus or whatever. So again, you're allowing yourself to be misled and frustrated. Yes. Because your plan, it, it, the plan that came out, that car accident wasn't prosperous and you were harmed and yes. you don't know the good that God is working on the backside of some of yes. these things where, yes. Hey, he's not going to rescue you from being hurt. He's not going to rescue you from losing things, but he'll rescue you through it. Right. Yes. Well, if that's the case, then Jeremiah 29, 11 wouldn't apply to me. Right. It applied to the Israelites because they were living it and saying, okay, when we're out of here. He's saying he's got this plan for us. So, guys, you just got to understand, it's, it's all contextual. It's all contextual.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, let's go to the next scripture. <laughs> Matthew 7? You Matthew 7! That's where we're going, Kyle. Wow, you're, you're paying attention. That's good. Um, <laughs> um, no, Matthew 7. That, that's where we are going. There's probably more tattoos about this
0: verse than there is actual Bibles printed with this verse. Oh my gosh.
1: I can only imagine only, all of only, the. Only God could judge me, bro. Yeah, only God can judge me now. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, hopefully you can stand before him. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. So this is that scripture. Now, everybody, and we've actually, uh, lis- listeners have actually asked us to talk about this scripture and what it actually means and, and, and all of that. So we're, we're going to do that. And so taking everything that we've talked to you about exegete, isogeet, contextual, <laughs> All, all the things, context, everything. Let's look at this scripture and what the scripture actually says. So common thing is you're on Facebook and, you know, or anywhere, you, you know, and you call somebody out because they're doing something that they shouldn't do. Okay. And the first thing they say, well, the, you can't judge me. Only God can judge me. You can't, you, you're not supposed to judge, and you're a Christian. You're not supposed to judge me. Okay. Well, here here's let me say this. I'll tell you right now before we even get into this. You would rather another human being judge you or call you out on something than to have God judge you. You don't want God to judge you. Like it you people including Kyle's boy Tupac that has that on that 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 that, 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 that had that tattooed on him. I'm telling you right now, it is a, that's a scary thing to be judged by God for something that you didn't rectify here on the, in this, in this life. Right. So, so don't throw that around because that's not, you're not thinking that through very well that so, no,
0: was me breathing again.
1: <laughs> oh sometimes guys, I
0: think, I've, been, sometimes I've I think, been breathing heavy. I don't know why. He thinks <laughs> I'm about to say something. I've just been taking heavy breaths and so it of fools him. He just he looks at me on air like, Are you gonna say something? And I'm like, Nope,
1: I'm just breathing. Yeah. Usually usually it's me with the heavy breathing you know i got this food baby and it's it's you <sighs> know no it's just
0: halloween candy I'm, my blood pressure is probably up man oh my goodness
1: oh. Right. halloween candy my Almond goodness. joy's bring more than joy Yeah. <laughs> oh but but so let back to Gosh. not so you hear that all the time people throw that and i can, I, I can't tell you how, it, how much it irritates me when I see this, especially on social media, because I'm like, you have no idea what that scripture is actually saying. And so let's look at what it says. Kyle, do you have that scripture right in front of you? Yeah, it says,
0: do not judge yep. or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the same measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? Mm. And like Kevin said, this is typically used when others want to justify their choices and not be judged according to them. But the problem is, is we forget about the rest of the verse, verse which completes the teaching. So either people hang on the front side of the verse and they say, don't judge or you're going to be judged, right? Mm-hmm. Or they go to the end and go, well, why don't you look at the speck in your own eye, yeah. right? Yeah but they completely forget about the, the accountability that's being taught here in the middle of the verse. So they like the buns of the sandwich, they
1: just don't eat the meat. Yes. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> I like that uh analogy, Kyle. That was that was uh, <laughs> that was top shelf right there.
0: <laughs> I'm sorry. But uh, you <laughs> listen, uh, uh, you make comments sometimes and it's like toothpaste, you can't put them back in. So you want uh, but-
1: you you, you want to do an illustrated sermon on that? Yeah, right.
0: <laughs> an empty sub. <laughs> but the reason Jesus warns against this judgment, guys, is th- there's danger in passing judgment on others when is that we'll have our own standard to come back and haunt us. When I condemn someone's behavior whether it's blatantly sinful or just different than my own, I am almost never, I almost never use the proper standard of judgment. I'm usually harder on people than I am myself. Right? Mhm. I- I'm usually kind of attacking them out of jealousy or envy. That I don't give myself. And so I pass judgment according to my own strengths and my own opinions. And so, for example, I mean, take the issue of gluttony because of DNA. Some people don't deal with gluttony the way I deal with gluttony. Okay. I'm breathing heavy on air for a reason. (laughs) I'm eating a little too much, right? (laughs) Uh, but when we see someone who struggles with overeating, we, we project ourselves onto them. We immediately assume that they're sinning. We immediately assume that they have a, a lack of self-control and they just need a, a little bit more discipline. And listen, that in itself is sinful and it shows a, a lack of love. We're trying to remove the speck from our brother's eye while we have logs hanging out of our own eye. I, yeah. I may be struggling with something that nobody can see, right? you know what I'm saying? But sure. I'm judging that person based off of a lack of discipline. And we don't know. People are overweight because of thyroid issues. They're overweight because of DNA problems. It has nothing. I know people who are on strict diets that can't stop gaining weight. Yeah. They're on medication. The medication causes them to gain weight. Yes. And so, again, we have to be held accountable in the way that we judge.
1: Yeah, 100% agree. And so I I think we need to look at this and say, you know, one, who is Jesus talking to? now? And this is just the, the crazy thing is this is just a very small part this judge, you may not judge, of a huge, the Sermon on the Mount. Like, this is just a just a little snippet, I guess, if you will, of the Sermon on the Mount. Now, who is Jesus talking to in this passage? Jesus, really, he's talking mostly to believers here. Yeah. But we realize that this principle, it can be applied to anybody, uh, but mostly we're talking about uh, believers here. So we say, so as Christians, we have to look at that because now that we're, there's other scriptures in the Bible where it looks like we should be judging sin, and then and, and we're like, "Well, is the Bible like contradicting itself? Again, remember, you have to use the whole of Scripture to understand Scripture, right? So the Bible will never contradict itself. So let's look at James chapter five in verse 16. It says, therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Okay? So, not only is it, this scripture implies that if you have a sin in your life and there's something that you're struggling with, that you should be confessing that sin to other Christians so that you can be healed right so so this idea that somebody else can't hold us accountable for a sin that we're struggling with or counsel us or help us through it which a lot of people would say counseling and getting help could be a form of judgment depending on how the person says it, right? They, they might say, well, I, you know, yeah, yeah, I brought this up and this person said this or that, you know, don't judge me, you know, you don't understand what I'm going through. Well, the Bible says that we're supposed to confess it to each other. Another scripture is Matthew 7, 15 through 20. It says, beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly, are ravenous wolves you will not know them by you will know them excuse me by their fruits grapes are not gathered from thorn bushes nor figs from thistles are they so every good tree bears good fruit but the bad tree bears bad fruit a good tree cannot produce bad fruit nor can a bad tree produce good fruit Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down, thrown in the fire. So then you will know them by their fruits. So basically this scripture is saying, look, if, if, if Kyle says, you know what, Kevin, I want you to come over my house. I'm, I'm, you know, and see this, this new apple tree that I planted and I get over to Kyle's house and that apple tree is growing bananas. I don't care what Kyle says. Apple trees cannot grow bananas. It just it's just scientifically impossible. Okay, just can't happen. Okay, now Kyle can say, "Don't judge my tree, man." Like you're just jealous because you don't have a an apple tree that grows bananas, right? Don't judge my tree. Why not? What's wrong with you? Right. But here's what the the, the scripture is saying. We can't judge each other unjustly, right? That is not an unjust judgment. I am looking with my own eyes and I see that Kyle's tree that he claims is an apple tree is a banana tree. The Bible just said here in Matthew 7 and verse 20, so then you will know them by their fruit. So what you see is how you get to know this person. Or this tree, right? So when the Bible says, judge not lest ye be judged, the Bible is talking about judging unjustly. So for example, if I'm addicted to pornography and I talk to Kyle and I tell him in a condescending way or or in an accusation type of way, say, I can't believe. You're a pastor, and you think that you can get up there and talk to these people, and you're sitting there addicted to pornography. How dare you knowing (laughs) that I'm addicted to pornography as well? That is judging Kyle unjustly because I'm not coming to him in humility as a brother in Christ and saying, you know, if he, he, and if he says to me, hey, Kev, man, I'm just letting you know, man, I'm just struggling with this. So it don't have to be pornography. It could be anything, right? I'm just struggling with this. I just, man, I just, you know, and I say to him, you know what, Kyle, man, I, I know what you're going through, man. I, 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 I hate to hear that, but man, you know what? I'm going to be praying for you. You know, And here's some scriptures that I think can really help you stay strong and, 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 and get you rooted and grounded a little bit more in your faith, that kind of thing. That is not judging Kyle unjustly, because I'm not doing it from a state of, of, of condescension or condescending or, or not seeing my own sin. But when I say it to Kyle as if I don't sin, and if I'm saying it to him as if I'm not, you know, it, it, because it's hypocritical. The Bible is saying, don't judge somebody hypocritically.
0: Well, and, and that's why I'm doing research. There was a phrase and I, I copied it down. It said, Judge not, lest you be judged and held accountable. It's a, it's a terrifying thing to think God is going to judge me based on the way I judge others because so often my judgment lacks mercy, it lacks compassion, it lacks knowledge of the situation. Yes. Do, do I want to be judged by God and others with that same standard where they don't understand my struggle? They don't understand the fight that I have to not do what I'm doing. And, and then in that, that case, they don't understand the mercy that's required. They don't understand the grace that's required. And, and so it's, it's hard to give somebody a crushing standard if you don't understand that that's the same standard you're going to be judged by.
1: Right. Absolutely. And, and, that's, and that's what the Bible's saying, because the same standard that you judge somebody else, you're going to be judged by that same standard. So don't go around. With your head held high, like the Pharisees, with your head stuck up in the air, telling everyone else how bad they are, when you know yourself, you've got sin and, and depravity and all of the things that we know that we all have. We are not, we are to help one another. We're to build each other up, right? And so, but I, so I, think, it's, I, I think it's very important that we understand that. And Stuart Weber in his commentary on, on Matthew, I think this is really good. He says it this way, do not judge others until you are prepared to be judged by the same standard. And then when you exercise judgment toward others, do it with humility. That's what the Bible is saying. So the next time a person goes, well, you can't judge me. Actually, you can Because biblically, if you're doing it the biblical way, you're doing it in humility, realizing your own sin, your own depravity, and not looking down at your nose at somebody else when you deal with the exact same sin, but you're not being honest about it, you're not being humble about it, right? It is right. it is important for us to understand the context of these scriptures and not just throw things around, well, but you're not supposed to judge me. Oh, well, I thought you were a Christian. You're not supposed to judge me. Honey, let me tell you something. If you— If you are doing things that are against the Word of God, and somebody holds you accountable for that in humility, that's what they're supposed to do. Right. We are biblically instructed to restore a brother. If we see a brother is in sin, we are to restore a brother. Galatians 6 and 1 Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently, but watch yourselves or you also may be tempted. So when we talk about judging, there is no way that you would be able to fulfill this scripture unless you were able to talk to that person And hold them accountable for the sin that they committed. It's impossible. So again, folks, we've got to look at the whole of Scripture when we look at and when we take phrases out of the Scripture and just run with them, okay? But it says, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person. And again, that, that goes with that humility we talked about. It says, gently, Galatians 6 and 1, restore that person gently. Again, Gently, with humility, all the things, right? I think that is uh, crazy, crazy important.
0: Yeah. Listen, I have a question for you. You ready for this? Yeah. Matthew 18, 20. <laughs> <laughs> a reason I'm going to ask you first is because I've misquoted this as of recently. So I had to, I had to educate myself on this. <laughs> says this, and, and you're going to know this verse because A lot of us start our healing verses out this way. A lot of us start our our, our healing prayers out this way. Lord, we thank you that when two or more are gathered in your name, you are with us. And I'm kind of mad at myself because, and listen, before Kevin gets into this, before I understood this verse in its rightful context, I never really noticed the, the abundance of use that I had in my prayers of this. But I cringe a little when I hear it thrown in and out of well-meaning prayers by well-meaning Christians now because the problem with the misuse of this verse is that we're saying, hey, God, you're only going to be here if there are two or three in your name. You can't (laughs) be here if it's just me praying to you. So, in other (laughs) words, when I'm praying for healing in my room, he's not there? Right. Like, I'm setting that precedent with the prayer like, well, God, now we got two or three believers. Show up. Yeah. And so, go ahead, Kevin. Give me your thoughts because I, listen, I start my prayers out. I'm like, I, I do every time. It's like clockwork, man. Someone comes up for healing. And I'm like, Lord, we know you are here. Two or three are gathered in your name.
1: I don't know why I default to that, but I do. <laughs> Is it even about prayer? Man, oh, man, man. This one's, this, one's, this one's crazy. Because just like Kyle said, you hear this all the time, you know? Oh, Brother Larry, you know? You know, we, we only got a, a, a couple of people here tonight, and I, I know that you know that can be discouraging. But brother Larry, let me tell you something. It says in the scripture, "That where two or three are gathered in your name, there I am." Kevin, yeah, I don't
0: have handkerchiefs to wave at you, bro. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. Kyle. Oh man, I mean, and I, I we make this in, in 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 jest a little bit, but guys, th- this is a great example of tradition. This is a great example of just religion. Somebody took this scripture out of context. Grandpa took it out of context. Now, grandson does it. Great-grandson does it. Great-granddaughter does it. Everybody, you know, you go to that church, and as a result of them not really digging into the scriptures and understanding what these scriptures mean, now they've, they've taken it out of, out of context Itself. So let's look at it again. We again notice all of these scriptures that we're talking about are scriptures that you've probably never heard the scriptures surrounding it. You've only heard the scripture itself, mm-hmm. which let me say again, where that's ice, eise- that's eisegetical, right? That is taking, that's taking one scripture. And you are pouring the meaning of that Scripture into the text as opposed to allowing the Scripture itself or exegeting or taking, taking the meaning from Scripture. The only re- way you could take the meaning from Scripture is that you have the entire context of that Scripture. So, let's, let's read not just where two or three are gathered together, which is in verse 20 of Matthew 18. Let's start at verse 15. Okay? You're, you're going to totally understand this scripture in a second. If your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault just between the two of you. If they listen to you, you've won them over. But if they will not listen to you, take one or two others along so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. If they still refuse to listen, tell it to the church. And if they refuse to listen to even to the church, treat them as you would a pagan or a tax collector. Verse 18, truly I tell you, Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, truly, I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything that they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three gather in my name, there am I with them. Did you catch anything there, guys? Did you, did you catch what that scripture is actually talking about? It's talking about dealing with sin in the yep. church.
0: Yep. And
1: specifically, somebody sinning against you. Yes. It has nothing whatsoever to do with the fact that we don't have enough people. This, you can't even take this scripture, you know, because we say sometimes, well, in the concept, it's right. Right, you know, we or we say, well, we, you know, it, it, this one you can't even go there with it. It has nothing to do with how many people are in a church service or in a room or in whatever. Right? Well, what well, two or three are gathered together? Well, I'm there. I don't care if no one is in the church building. Christ is there. God is omnipresent. You know what that means? Omnipresent. It means He's everywhere, all at the same time. So it is, it, it doesn't even, in, it, it, it defies biblical literacy to use the scripture. And I'm not saying this from a high horse. Guys, I have used the scripture for years. I've recently used it <laughs> this way, right? I've said this in prayer meetings as senior pastor. I've said, like, guys, so I'm not throwing stones. I'm just wanting to educate us. And if you look, I mean, look at any Bible scholar, look at, I mean, review this scholarly, look at the scripture in context. It is not hard to find. It is just something that we've never went back to, to actually say, hmm, what does that scripture actually mean? So this is talking about dealing with sin in the church. It talks about bringing two or three witnesses if they don't listen it says if they refuse to listen, you go, you, you bring it before the, the, at the church. Um, some churches, it's crazy because you know what? Most churches don't follow this. Like, it, this is very vulnerable and very <laughs> biblical the way you deal with sin in the church. We don't do this. Like, it, it's, it, you know, when you think about you know, how, how it is and, and how we do things in church now. We try to keep things under wrap. Oh, I don't want so-and-so to know that this is going on, and you know we definitely don't bring it before the church, right? But this is what it actually says. And then it says, if they refuse to listen to the church, you treat them as you would, the pagan or the tax collector. And then it, and it says, again, truly, I tell you, if two agree on anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my father, for two or three are gathered together in my name. There I am in the midst." Again, guys, don't take a scripture. And they just extract that scripture alone without understanding what the full context is uh, ar- around that scripture. It is so, so important. And what you do is you miss how to handle church discipline. Yeah. Like, I, you, don't even, you, you don't even understand.
0: Well, there's a lot of church discipline that doesn't get handled right. Absolutely. And that's why.
1: And people get hurt.
0: Because the verse that talks about church discipline isn't even regarded as church discipline.
1: Yes. Yes. Bad theology, wrong theology, whether the hurts person people. is good or bad, hurts people. Mm-hmm. Every decision that you make, and this is just a life lesson every decision you make has a human attached to it. Every mm-hmm. single one. Whether what. It, it it it's even in in quoting scripture it, there's a human attached to it if you're preaching a message if you if you are explaining anything or doing teaching anything remember people's lives are at stake here people's spiritual lives and sometimes their natural lives depending on the decisions that they make based on what you tell them right, right. so when you tell people scriptures like this and then and and, and then they go well but but but, I, you know, God, God didn't do it or God did whatever. People become atheists because they don't think the Bible works because we haven't taught the Bible correctly. We could go on and on with these scriptures, but I'm hoping that you have enough here that we've said and we've talked about where you you understand why we're, we're going through these scriptures. And some of these, you know, there's a couple of these I think that, We did have some questions about what does the Bible say about, you know, judging and different things like that, you know, because people get that all the time. And so we just want to make sure. And again, guys, you know, we're going to do everything that we can when we come on air to tell you the truth, whether it makes us popular or, or not popular. It's not about that. It's about truth. And I want you guys to thrive in your relationships with God. And I want you to fall in love. Us doing this, I want you to be like, man, that's awesome. I want to dig into the scriptures now. That's really my goal. My goal is for you to fall in love with studying the Word of God. And I think it's so important. And so, again, guys, we, we appreciate you listening. We thank you for all the feedback that we're getting. Again, text us, 248-301-2010. Put that in your phone as TOL or Thinking Out Loud. If you've got a show, suggestions or topics you want us to cover, uh, things like this, or if there's other things you want us to cover, it doesn't have to be in the Bible. It could be political or it could be marriage. It could be uh, anything, right? It, it could be anything we will talk about it here. And also don't forget, if you want to donate, go to our website, thinkingoutloudmedia.com. There's a button there on the homepage towards the bottom. You can you can donate monthly or you can give a one-time gift. But please, we, we're asking because we want to stay on the air. We want to continue. We just ask you guys, if this show is blessing you uh, and blessing your family members, your kids, whatever, that you just donate to the show. We want to stay on the air. Also, If you are listening to us on whatever device you're listening to us on right now, whether it's Apple, Android, whatever, whatever platform that you're listening to us through, streaming platform, rate us, review us. There's some of them that don't have a way for you to do that, but there are some that do. Please do that. Leave comments about the show as well. We want to hear from you guys. And Kyle, if you can tell them where to find us on social media.
0: Yeah. Facebook, Instagram, go ahead. Thinking Out Loud podcast on Facebook. We also have a fans page if you'd like to be involved in that. And then also on Instagram, thinking underscore out loud. It's got our thinking out loud podcast logos. You'll see it. It says with Kevin and Kyle blue and orange. So you'll know it's us. You'll also see advertisements of our shows and communication back and forth about our shows. People DM us, they message us, they text us. They also comment on our posts. We love that. Uh, That's where we get a lot of our ideas from. We want to know what works for you guys. So continue to do that. We love seeing the life underneath those posts.
1: Yeah. And don't think that other people, you know, sometimes on our posts and even with our questions, we've gotten a few questions, but with as many listeners as we have, I know there's way more questions out there. And so, you know, it's important that you guys let us know those questions. So don't think, Oh, somebody else is going to ask it. Nope. Go ahead and ask the question. There is no wrong question. And, you know, and wherever you are, just let us know. And again, that, that number that you text us on 24 seven, you can do that. It doesn't matter what time zone you're in. None of that. It's, you know, so just let us know what you're, what you're thinking. Well, guys, we love you. We are appreciative of you being with us every single week, and we will see you guys next week.